exploration and education in anime. I am your anime idiot, Patrick Dugan. I am an anime expert, Dana Hollander. And I am a traumatizing anime movie from your childhood that you repressed years ago. Brendan McCullough. Hey, it's, uh, it's the time of year where we dive into our traumas and turn them into entertainment, because it's our Halloween episode. I love spooks. And joining us today, we have two very special guests. We have two experts on horror from the podcast I'm Horrified. We have Allie Rayner. Hello! And Sam Buntich. Hi, you guys! Yay! Woo! We have friends! <laughs> That's I'm rare for people with an anime podcast. Yeah, it's unheard of. Every time I wrote horrified in my notes, I definitely, in my brain, was like, ding! Ah! <laughs> we live horrified for you TM. knowing our content. Yeah. We do that in real life, too. It's getting annoying to our friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when we heard about how Obi-Wan Kenobi um, in the Star Wars movies actually made the sounds when he was using his lightsaber. It's very yes. similar. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to. Apparently, Laura Dern in the newest uh, Star Wars movie was also doing like the laser blast noise, like pew 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 pew. Yeah, like, they, she couldn't stop, and I was like, yeah, who wouldn't? Like, yeah, I definitely would. <laughs> yeah, you're paying billions of dollars for special effects. You can cut that out. Yeah, let them have fun. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of uh, uh, having f- fun, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of we, billion uh, dollars, ooh, wait. Uh, we have a, a new movie that we're watching. This is our first anime movie that we're going to be doing on this show. Uh, and it is Perfect Blue. Mm. This is something I was just searching for spooky Halloween things that we could do for the show. And this popped up. And I remembered forever ago I had a coworker recommend this to me. But I had no information on it. Does anyone here know anything about it before we go into it? Nope. I had seen cosplay of it, but I didn't ever look up what it was. So, not really. Gotcha. One of those. I know it exists, but nothing beyond Mm -hmm. that. I know it's an unsettling anime movie from the 90s-ish era. I think 97 or so. And that's about all I know. I know people are very, like, disturbed by it. It's not just, like basically like jump scare horror or like monster movie like it's an unsettling movie i didn't know it was yeah. from the 90s um but that makes me excited <laughs> but yeah i i gave it a quick google search sam did you give it anything no i'm not even a hundred percent on what anime is so yeah it's really gonna be a journey <laughs> for me perfect this will be great. <laughs> you're in the right place <laughs> uh we are working with the same level of knowledge yeah. so that's good <laughs> oh perfect uh so yeah do you, uh, Allie and Sam, do you have any experience? Did you watch anything growing up? Because I know my experience going into the show was mostly whatever was on TV when I was a kid and said, this is a cartoon, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, is is Pokemon an anime? Yes. I yes. mean, yeah. Then I'm an expert. Uh, <laughs> oh! No, that's I think not, that's, that's everyone's gateway. Uh, still not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I um I watched some Pokemon. I watched some Digimon. Don't know if Hell yeah. familiar Ooh, with that. Uh but that's about it for me. I know Yeah, I yeah. I think I watched a little bit of well, I've watched some Miyazaki movies, which that's anime, right? Yeah, that excellent. Counts. Yeah. Um and he I, says it's not, but I mean it, I mean it's hotly my, debated. In my limited knowledge, it really feels like anime. <laughs> um but uh 
Well, I looked. I looked it up, and I was like, "Well, anime is just the Japanese word for animation." So, I'm sure you've covered this on the pod already. But like, I was just like, <laughs> "Okay, well, then anything in that style." But that also seems kind of narrow-minded. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't. I didn't watch Pokemon or any of uh, Dragon Ball Z was a big thing at my school, but I didn't watch it. Mm. There was one other thing that I did watch that I loved when I was a kid, but Card Captor Sakura. I don't think so. Is Avatar the last Airbender? Is it? I don't think. See, that's the thing. I think Brendan wants to fist fight you right now. Yeah, anime is made in Japan. Oh, got it. In the anime style, it's in the anime style, but is it made in America? Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of I hear Brendan with like the venom in his voice, like, yeah, it is. How dare you not know about this children's cartoon? Yeah, I'm the nicer anime expert. Whoa. Yeah. I prefer Dana's kinder, like, actually, it's made in Japan, and Brendan's like, yeah, it's made in Japan. It's made in Japan. <laughs> yeah. No, I just know it's a big joke on the internet with Avatar being called an anime. When Absolutely. I'm sure <laughs> it is. But, yeah. Ta- big takeaway, we're both anime pure no. idiots. Novices. Yeah, novices. <laughs> the internet's told me that anime has weird boobs. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. is true. this appro- is it appropriate for the for this podcast for me to say that I've come across some porn in this style? Because that's happened. But you <laughs> that's know that's fine. Other than uh, that, we've come across some porn on this show, accidentally. <laughs> oh good. Oh good. <laughs> so yeah, uh finally the anime idiots uh outnumber the anime experts this week. Yeah. So we can finally yeah. rise to uh <laughs> take over. The dumb shall inherit. It's like anime idiocracy. <laughs> so uh we are going to watch perfect blue and we will be back in just a moment Just watch Perfect Blue, and I want to uh, sit in a bathtub and scream in the water. Dirty. <laughs> uh, it's not a great feeling. Not a fan of this. Yeah, big yikes. Yeah, yeah big uh, yikes. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, many yikes. Uh, uh, content warning going forward. Uh, lots of discussion of uh, sexual assault. So, um, uh, if that's a turn off, I do not blame you. Can I ask? Yeah. A, can I ask an opening question? Yeah. Sure. Why is it called Perfect Blue? Okay. Let's so, start here. Yeah. I actually, I actually looked this up, and oh, I don't okay. know if we should talk about it later. Oh, or... we can, we can talk about it later if it if it yeah, if it makes sense kind of, in some way. Yeah, it kind of ties into like color theory and stuff. So okay. okay. Dana. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that well, that was one thing that uh, people discussed in like the ending explained video that I watched, ah. <laughs> which I definitely I I what it, what I didn't watch that. What, didn't <laughs> what? It. no no it was it was so straightforward. Yeah yeah. I love how Sam asks yeah. like an educated question, and I'm like, what in the fresh hell kind of pop group name is Cham? <laughs> I thought it was. At first, I thought it was Chan with an N, yeah. and I was like, "That's kind of makes sense because that's an honorific in Japan of like a friend." Yeah. Like, oh, that's nice. You know. Nope, it's yeah. Cham. It's Cham. Wait, I think I got it. It's a mix between Chan 
and jam. Like this is a fresh jam. So friend jam. Jam, <laughs> jam with your friends. Yeah. Because they're your oh. friends. We'll start at the beginning and then see how far we get into explaining <laughs> what happens, because uh, yeah. uh, that goes off the rails real quick. Just yeah, like I'm the podcast. This episode, this episode is gonna be a little longer. Yeah, there's a a lot to dive into with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have double the extra dumb opinions um, <laughs> over here, and we have a lot of notes in capital letters. I filled up four pages. With Me that too. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I have six. Please attach my Google Doc to this uh, <laughs> to this podcast. Episode. Yeah, like a big sticky note. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just says wow, no. working lean. Just says whoa. Yeah. I was swept up in the movie. I was just like, oh man, I sure don't like this. And then just <laughs> kept spiraling further. Yeah, I would be swept up, and then I'd be like, oh fuck, I have to wait. <laughs> Pause right down. Yeah, my notes at the end uh, got lesser and lesser because every time I looked down to write something down and looked up, they were in like a new location. And I was like, what? What happened? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It's like, what? She's waking up again? <laughs> Where are it's, we? It's again? the third time in these uh, two minutes. I think I wrote at one point, uh, stop revealing. Like, that was just a thought <laughs> I had. <laughs> Too many reveals. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's start, start at the off. beginning with... The uh, ending performance of our main character, uh, Mima, uh, mm-hmm. who is a member of this uh, pop idol group, Cham. Mama Mima. Cham. <laughs> yeah, I think we need like a like a Cham horn. Do you know what I mean? Cham. 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 <laughs> um, I was a little confused. What was the level of fame that Cham had? Were they right. very famous? Were they entering the pop idol scene? Because she's seemingly, she's willing to leave them for one line in a TV show. Yeah, because it looks like they're playing to a sparse audience (laughs) of belligerently drunk older men. Which is confusing to me if they're pop idols. I actually actually have uh, a lot of knowledge in uh, Japanese pop idols because I watched a documentary about it. It's very interesting. Nice. But there are, there are so many uh, idol groups in Japan because that's just a way for girls to kind of springboard their way into uh, fame or, you know, like an acting career or like an actual music career because pop idols aren't necessarily like, they're not really considered like Genuine. musical artists, oh. really. Hmm. So every every pop idol group kind of does have like their own following of Older men. <laughs> oh, <good>. so <laughs> yeah, but uh, I can get into that later too. Um, so idol doesn't yeah. really mean like they're actually idolized. It just is a stock term. Yeah. Okay. It's just that a term. Sense. Yeah. It it does mean that they're idolized. It does not mean they are famously Got idolized, okay. as Got we yeah. see in this movie. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> I also watched uh, just a follow up uh, comparing idol culture to this movie after. And uh, it was saying that, yeah, idols are basically uh, selling themselves as uh, your friend, someone you look up to, like the perfect sister, the perfect daughter, the perfect uh, pure girlfriend that you can uh, give all your money and presents to and uh, pay to see them and meet and greet. How could this ever go wrong? I have a lot of big notes, big notes referring to this later, so... I'll get into it, but... <laughs> yeah. Dana's like, I gotta seems... stretch first. Just get ready. Yeah. 
it seems like such a healthy culture. How could anything bad ever come out of that? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I was oh, like, boy. oh, if they're so famous, where's all the security? And I was like, oh, no, they're just idolized, teenage-looking girls just dancing their mm-hmm. hearts out. No security. Men everywhere. This is great. <laughs> Let's Again, keep going. Wrong with that. <laughs> well, there was security. We do see... Like, in the very front row, the guy's crouching down in the black uh, jackets with, like, the yellow armbands. Oh, yes, that's Those true. were the security. But I think they were, like, either volunteer or, like, security for the venue and not, like, Yeah, definitely not security. the top brass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Not uh, pulling their weight, as we see, because some hooligans start to get rowdy in this crowd, uh, harassing the performers, throwing stuff on stage, and getting into fights in the crowd. Youth. But luckily, luckily, there's the spookiest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god! And the creeper from the Scooby Doo cartoon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank God he was there. Well, we also we also see earlier he's like holding his hand up, kind of holding Mima in like his hands. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like really encapsulating his entire character, like within that one shot of just like oh. you know who this guy is, and it's not good. Yeah. You don't like him. No. Yeah. I mean, just the way he's drawn, like, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but this is the psychological horror anime, and I think the way people are drawn is very indicative of who they are. (laughs) It's this style of animation, uh, specifically, really just unsettles me, like, without even, so far, like, nothing bad's really happened, but I'm already really tense watching this. Oh, yeah. I find out because the guy who uh, directed this also directed a show called Paranoia Agent, and it, like, just a lot of other, like, psychological, like, trippy stuff. And it just, like, th- I'm just s- associate this style of animation of his so much with just feeling unnerved and just, like, yeah. really unsettled. So he has a narrow focus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He found his niche and stuck to it. Unfortunately. <laughs> this was his first movie. Yes, this is his debut, debut movie. Well, I think my favorite yeah. thing, even beyond the fact that this stalker guy was here, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm intrigued. What's going to happen? Was that Mima was like this was the whole turning point for her to be like hey you guys like i want to be an actress like this is going to be my last show but she can like barely get a fucking sentence out because she's so nervous <laughs> yeah and i'm yeah. like use your diaphragm baby like i don't think the acting <laughs> career is going to work out if you can't like <laughs> tell people that you're done singing and are ready to act so like that sets me up for like ooh, I'm going to be hating and rashing on this protagonist's ability <laughs> to act, and I don't think that's what the movie's about, but that's what the movie's about for me now. This is what you've dialed in on now. Uh-huh, <laughs> yep, I've made my own choices. <laughs> the uh, creepy dude fights off these uh, hooligans in the crowd, and sort of, they have to call the show early, uh, or they try to, but... She insists on singing her last song as her farewell. And this is this farewell song is sort of our anime opening intro. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, it's a movie. I wasn't expecting it. But we do get like a musical number while credits roll. I gotta be honest. I was hoping it was the ending. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Good, uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, this sure looks like ending credits. <laughs> yeah. But there is uh, an hour and a half left. <laughs> This was a spooky movie because they drew a guy with uh, far apart eyes and bad teeth. <laughs> yeah. And then he got a bloody nose and it just made him worse. Yeah. Uh, blood oh. never improves anything. Mm-mm. Uh, mm. 
uh, we start to cut uh, between uh, this performance and sort of Mima's everyday life of just, she's a normal girl when she's not performing. She goes and buys her own groceries. Oh god, she's just like us. <laughs> Relatable content. People magazine. Um, I do like this uh, sequence, though. We see her like at the grocery store and like in her apartment and just almost no dialogue, I think, for like four or five minutes or so. Because it does really, like... Without any narrative, it makes you empathize with her and just seeing, like, the day-to-day life. It's like, yeah, I've been there. So, like, yeah. we can joke, like, oh, she's just like us. But, like, I've it had works in the sense of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had fish. I buy milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love milk. Mima's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> I too like filling up my bathtub for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So after the performance, she is leaving, going through all the adoring fans who are saying their goodbyes. And we hear someone shout out that he's always watching Mima's room. And it's sort of brushed aside, sort of a, oh, okay, you're a fan. Cool. Got it. Um, but. The uh, uh, laying the groundworks. Yeah. We also totally brushed over those yeah. three dudes who kind of act as the Greek chorus of this whole movie. <laughs> oh, we're that's just a great comparison. fucking useless oh, yeah. the whole time. And I guess they are useful, but they're like, "Oh, did you hear? Like, Mima's an actress now." And it's like, "Yeah, no, we just watched that. We're good. We are yeah, good. You don't need to tell us." <laughs> yeah, I. We we heard the crowd of people there saying, "Oh, uh, she's saying goodbye." Yep. Oh, got it. We're sad. <laughs> I always thought it was weird that we see those guys with the stalker like orbiting around them throughout the whole movie, and they never seem to pick up. Like, hey, there's this weird guy also kind of stalking us. Like, yeah, they never notice that he's always in the same place as they are. That's a different anime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that I, was the canceled sequel. Oh God. <laughs> I wrote this note a little bit later, but, like, the stalker who I referred to in my notes only as Spooky Guy, Spooky Guy is a full foot taller than anyone else, and he has a deeply fucked up face, and, like, no one clocks that he's always around everywhere. Like, if I saw that guy once, I would be like, I will never forget him. Yeah. (laughs) He will haunt my memories for the rest of my life. Regardless of whether or not. Ten years from now, I'm going to look in a corner of a building and I'm just going to see him and I'm going to lose it. The Japanese Jason Voorhees. (laughs) Ooh. But yeah, I'm sure he's cool. I'm sure no one's worried about him. He's a fine citizen. What could go wrong? Someone gives her a love letter. Yeah, someone, uh, she gets her fan mail uh, as she's walking away from that performance and she's reading through it. And uh, someone also mentions that they are uh, checking in on Mima's room. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's unsettling. Just creepy. Yeah. Oh, I totally didn't get it. I thought that they meant like, oh, we're watching you in your room all the time. And she's like, ah! And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, why is that okay? And then I realized later that it's it's got a URL in it or something. Yeah, it says I put up a link to Mima's room. Yeah. So I was kind of like... How are you not, like, in my notes, in my notes, this is when I wrote, I'm horrified, and then in parentheses, <laughs> ding. That was when it happened. Yes. I was like, this isn't good. New episodes well, I... every Monday. Sorry. That's the as plug. Yeah, I was also wondering, like, this is a big red flag. Do you not get it? But then, like, the next scene, she has to be explained to how the internet works and what a computer is. And I was like, oh, okay. I I got it. (laughs) 
Yeah, so this movie. Yeah. Let's not gloss over the phone calls she receives. Oh, yes. Because she's on the phone with her mom, who has a southern accent, which I love. I wrote that down, too. <laughs> we also, yeah, I also wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, because because I guess, like, I watch uh, Terrace House, a Japanese reality show. Oh. And they always talk about how, like, oh, I can hear your accent from this region, but, like, I super can't tell. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like that's kind of what it was supposed to be. Like, oh, Mima is from a different region of Japan. She's not originally from Tokyo, so she's, like... Down south, like I. <laughs> I love that they made that choice, though, to to really incorporate like a southern accent to yeah, draw that correlation. Yeah. Um. But while she's on the phone with her mom, she's like, "Oh, I have a call in the other line. Hold on, mom." And then it's just breathing. It's just Darth Vader. Yep. At which point, I was already like out. I was like, I can't. <laughs> nope. Is this also when she receives a fax? It, yes, yes. That we, I still don't know what it says. Me neither. Yeah. Oh, uh, I had my, uh, I had subtitles and uh, the dub going, so uh, it said "traitor" oh. all over the page. <gasps> oh man, <laughs> that changes things for me. I just got chills. <laughs> yeah, that is spooky. It could have been saying like the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah, <laughs> I, knew, I, no yeah. Idea. <laughs> I thought it was just probably. I thought maybe it was just more stuff like about Mima's room or something. Mm-hmm. But that makes oh, that makes it so much like better mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah, uh, especially for old dubs like this, I like to uh, have the subtitles because those tend to be the like literal translation while the spoken words are adapted. So I can just see how things shifted in mm. the translation process of mm-hmm. the dub. Uh, so yeah, luckily I got that up. Well, that's like how when I was watching it and I was mentioning to <laughs> Sam, like, oh, is this girl's name Rumi? Or do in Japan, like... She, she's that's her roommate and she just is referring to her as like hey Rumi like oh my god like look at this yeah, and I was I just like sure maybe this is like a lost in translation moment for me and then I was like no I'm a fucking idiot that's just her name <laughs> <laughs> no I thought the same thing I was like well she lives alone why does she call her Rumi it's a very small part. but then I figured it out yeah and nothing dates a movie better than a fax machine Oh, so just, good. Just that sweet window of oh, like yeah. late eighties, early nineties, of like five, six years. Yeah, or having to explain the internet to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this movie feels like it's a period piece where it's like, oh, look at all this old technology, but it's like, ooh, the cutting edge, <laughs> uh, the internet browser. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> Do yeah, I double um, click? English, please. She says that one. <laughs> oh <point>. yeah. <laughs> Japanese, speaking please. Japanese. <laughs> Yeah, this movie came out originally in, I think, 97, and then in the U.S., it came out in, like, 99. So yeah, it's, very... it's celebrating its 20th anniversary next year. Oh, jeez. Oh, like, God, that was yeah. 20 years ago. So, yeah, she gets this fax, and then the next day, is she on set for the... We find out it was a TV show, but I didn't find that out until, like, the very end of the movie. Oh, yeah, like, she's... Is uh, it a TV show or a movie? It's a, uh, TV it's show. a uh, cop drama. Yeah, because it's airing, like, as they're filming it. Because a yeah, later scene I thought. happens during, like, when it's airing. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, in that uh, first scene of them on set, they show the writer, and he's like, oh, I still don't know who the killer is yet, gotta figure it out. Uh, oh, which yeah. would be catastrophic for a movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's true. Just writing it as you go. Well, is it a spoilie at this point to say, oh, well, he never finds out because he gets super shot? That's... Is yeah. that later or is that magic? Yeah, uh, yeah he, now, uh, right? he eats it. 
<laughs> I think it's later, though. I think it's post-rape scene. Yes. Oh, God. Yes, because I think that's initially what causes his death. Oh, because, yeah, there's the ba- it's the, the backlash film. from yeah. him writing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it was intentional, but the show he's writing is called Double Blind, and then both of his Double eyes are blind. stabbed out. It's called Double Bind, which actually... Fuck! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, you were so close. Like, excuse so me, but could you just go me. fuck yourself for one minute? <laughs> uh... I don't know if any of you know what a double bind is. No, I don't. Great. It comes into play a little later, um, but I'll just explain like the general thing of it now. A double bind is when someone is presented with two things that are impossible to do together, but they're expected to do them together. Uh, ah. So well, that's pretty perfect for yeah. this movie then, because of the yes, you know. I don't again, maybe spoilies, but we've all seen it. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, we've all seen like it. neither can live while the other survives kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, the the main double bind that like I've heard of all like all the time is that women are expected to be pure and virginal, but that at the same time uh, expected to be sexually knowledgeable. Mm, right. So, if we think about it from like an idol perspective, that's true. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's that's exactly what they're expected to do. I've actually heard Bam. because uh, J-pop and K-pop groups are getting so much more popular. Like I've heard in news and rumors, um, there was some K-pop group that actually got two people got fired because there was a boy group and a girl group, and they started dating. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay, cool, you guys are dating. Your contracts are done. You're fired. You're out of the group, and you're like yeah. dead to us." Because you have yeah, to so, promote that idea of, like, I'm single and could potentially be your dream girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah, and I'm also pure. Exactly. I'm not, you know, yeah. doing anything dirty. Yeah. I think Disney has similar things. Like, because when we did an episode about purity rings on I'm Horrified, mm-hmm. um, Sam was mentioning a little bit about, what did you say about the Disney the, the Disney pop Jonas stars? Brothers? Disney's trying to, because, like, they really lost out with Britney and Justin and all of them because they became adults and then they started seeing sexy music that wasn't Disney brand anymore. Mm-hmm. So Disney yeah. couldn't capitalize on them, but now they have it like with the craze of purity rings. It was like this perfect like not only is Nick Jonas so hot, but he's not fucking. So like, <laughs> you don't have to be worried that he's a bad example for your kids, and like we can keep him even as he ages because look at this ring on his finger. It was like Disney's yeah. wet dream that people started wearing purity rings. Oh, <laughs> his abstinence yeah. is so hot. <laughs> that's like exactly what idols do they do sign a contract that they do have to be single and if they do have a relationship they can't be public because like brendan said they have to maintain this persona of like i could be yours and i could be yours forever i'm your girlfriend like you can think that i'm your girlfriend and that's okay like that's what i'm for Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> God. It was a short doc. I'll post the link to it in the description. Uh, it was comparing idol culture to this movie, and they had an example of a girl group that was singing, and even artistically it bleeds in, where the lyrics were, I'm as pure as the day I was born. Uh, I will be <laughs> oh. pure uh, while I'm still a schoolgirl, oh, and I'll gross. be pure forever. Yeah, and it's... Bye. Yeah, <laughs> not great. Later days. <laughs> So yeah, even beyond just their like persona, artistically, they're all about, I'm pure, I'm, I'm a clean virgin girl. 
<laughs> yeah. Ooh. So, so that's what a double bind is, and that's the name of the show she's on. I'm so glad that I have that soundbite of Patrick Dugan saying, I'm a clean virgin girl. <laughs> uh, everyone make it your ringtones yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so she's on a show called Double Bind, and now yeah. we know what a double bind is. Thank yeah. you, Dana. Oh, my God. Yay. You're welcome. <laughs> We, we have experts here for a reason. I know. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. I like, feel like I'm wandering around in the desert with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find a cactus eventually. Mm. Oh, that's sweet cactus. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. that makes it better. <laughs> uh, so uh, in this, uh, uh, she has one line on this TV show. Mm-hmm. And uh, her agents are like, what the hell? She threw away a singing career for one line. That's bullshit. Okay, whatever. But uh, on the set, uh, she gets some fan mail, and in it, there is a small explosive device that her agent opens and just, uh, like, destroys his hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if uh, it was translated for you guys, but since I had the subtitles up, the letter read... uh, Like, this was just a small taste of what's to come. Oh, we didn't see that. Oh, yikes. I had no idea. So, yeah, this is the warning shot. Uh, so watch yourself. You, you miss your it. hand, you're gonna miss a lot more. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's what you get for opening someone else's mail. Trying for a reason. <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> that's true. He shouldn't have opened her mail. <laughs> yeah. He spends the rest of the movie in jail for uh, federal crimes. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was funded by the federal postal service. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I watched a little YouTube, like, I guess, video essay, you could call them, about the Perfect Blue after this. And in the video, he the guy talks about how this is a very real thing that actually happened during the creation of this movie. Um, oh. it, it happened with the Icelandic singer Bjork. She had oh. a very obsessive fan uh, in Florida who was just completely enamored with her. And tried to send her a hollowed out book, like, you know, as a package. And when mm. you open up the book, it would spray sulfuric acid. And he, <gasps> oh he tried God. to either, like, burn her or kill her with it. And then oh killed himself so they could be in heaven together. Jeez. <laughs> this was happening in, like, 96. So this would be during the production of this movie, like, when it's happening in real time. Jesus. So, oh. Yeah. This was, I'm just thinking, this was the perfect es- episode for you guys to come. Because, like... This is about a very real thing that happens. Yeah, and it's mega fucked up. And like up. that's the thing, which is our, yeah. which is our, essentially you know, bread and butter, yeah. if you will. It's yeah, brand. it's what everything comes back to. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, uh, but but Rumi is kind of just like it was a prank. <laughs> He's okay now. His hands are just it's bleeding. Fine. Don't worry about it's it. It's fine. Nothing else is gonna happen, Mima. Yeah. I'm just gonna set up your internet, and you'll be fine. Uh. I was infuriated that it was like, no, we don't have to call the police about this. <laughs> like, what? It was yeah. just a bomb and a letter. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, just a small murder attempt. But now, in hindsight, after seeing the ending, it makes sense why she so easily brushes this off. Of like, yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, I guess you're oh, yeah. right. Fuck. Oh. I just realized that, yeah. Brendan coming in with yeah. the Because I did write down, it's a prank. And I'm like, what the fuck? Someone just sent you a bomb. That's not a prank. Like, it's a big deal. Even after people start dying, like her, both of her agents are kind of just like, don't it's worry about fine. It. Like you don't have to be worried about it, Mima. Nothing is gonna happen to you. Price of fame, That's right? That's just <laughs> idol culture, honey. <laughs> Does your dial-up work yet? But so she said, Rumi sets up her internet and explains it all to her, and yeah. then Mima uses the opportunity to go to this 
Mima's Room blog. I respect that, though, because if cool. I got a computer for the first time, I would absolutely Google myself first thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like especially in the 90s, especially if you're, like, at all popular like she was. Like, why wouldn't you look yourself I up? I really can't wrap my mind around, like, I get that the internet is a novice to her and everyone, mm-hmm. but she was kind of giggling as she was reading it. Like, oh, that's so me. I do go to the grocery store. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you not yeah. blindly terrified right now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just couldn't, like the... I couldn't wrap my head around how casual she was about all of it. But I guess maybe, you know, like, mm-hmm. if the internet is new, she's like, oh, that's so cute. I love it. Um, and then later yeah. on, she's like, wait, how do they know all this? But like, yeah. from the get-go, before they knew about, like, you know, like, the fish food brand and stuff like that, like, the second somebody started writing as me, I would be a little bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this terrified me, horrified me. Hey. Only hey. because <laughs> I I had, um, a few years ago, it was 2015, my Instagram was public, and I received a text message from someone. It said, is this Dana? And I was actually expecting a text from someone who didn't have my phone number. So... I said, yes, is, and then they said, hello, my name is Billy. I follow your Instagram, and I think you're really pretty. No. Nope, nope, yeah. nope, nope. So I said, how did you get this number? And he never texted me back. Thank you, Billy. But <laughs> it was at that point I made my Instagram private, and it's public now because I cosplay and stuff, and, like, I like people to see it. But, like, ugh, like, mm. ugh. Things are so public, and, like... This is just the beginning of that, and I know, like, this wasn't meant to be commentary on, like, social media, because obviously there was no social media. But then, I mean, this but... is kind of a form of, it's a primitive form of that of everyone. I mean, th- that kind of, um, what is it? Chat forums and chat rooms were the kind of beginning of that sort of weird troll culture. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think, it, I think it totally ties into that. Well, that's, yeah. like, the video I watched, they said, like, this is why Perfect Blue is terrifying, and in the video you see, it's like, and it's only getting more terrifying with, like, every year, like, the more mm. we delve into social media, like, this is back in 97, where it wasn't that big of a, th- or that common of a thing, most people didn't have the internet, but now, today, and especially with social media, it's, like, so much more common and terrifying that someone could just impersonate you, and... Even I had, like, a weird instance where I, like, accidentally impersonated someone. Uh, Whoa. How? It was just, like, oh it's an, it was, like, an anonymous, like, forum, like, where you just didn't have a username. And I just posted a comic from an artist I like, like, a little webcomic. Oh. I was like, hey, this is cool. And it was, like, a little slice of life about uh, her daily life, like, with her cat or something. And they're like, oh, wow, I never saw that one before. Did you just make that? Are you that artist? I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I just... I found it off her page. Like, I can link to you exactly where I got it. Like, it's, I'm not mean. They're like, no, I never saw this before. You must have just drawn it. You're that person. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Brendan didn't know the power that he had. I didn't yeah. just kept doubling down on it. I was like, oh, no. And I just, like, bailed out. I was just, but, like, oh, no. they thought I was that person. And it started getting real weird real fast. Mm. Yeah. Well, there you go. We just did an episode um, on Gamergate with um, a, mm-hmm. a former colleague of ours who, or mentor of ours, who wrote a play about it and did a lot of research and, and worked with some of the people who were affected by Gamergate. Um, and before we posted the episode, he told us, he was like, I want you to change every password you have. Like, I want you to, like, mm. overhaul everything. I don't want yeah. you to use the hashtag. Like, I need, like, it's, it's very important that you guys think about your safety. Um, because some of the people yeah. that he had worked with had been uh, doxxed. And, like, it, it was just, it oh. was insane. Like, it was just, mm. it, it was really 
wild. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the kind of... The kind of lengths that people will go to even when they're just bored. So you can imagine the kind of lengths that somebody would go to when they're obsessed with you. Angry. Yeah. 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 It's terrifying. So is this movie. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, oh, this is just like me. Wouldn't you be weirded out if you found out someone was impersonating you online? I think at first she saw it as just like a little, like, maybe like a kid pretending like, oh, if I was an idol, I'd like to be like... Uh, Mima and all this, and it's like, ha this is funny. But then once it got to the personal information of like, this is the food I buy from this store. Like within that scene, she very quickly realizes like, oh no, someone's watching me. And, yeah, like, this whole movie the- is just, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like the specificity of like, this is the fish food brand I buy. This yeah. is the milk I like. I took a left foot out of the train rather than a right foot. Oh my so god, I had a bad day. I forgot oh. about that. That's the spookiest bit. Yeah, that yeah. was the moment where that she was like, uh, and you, huh? You see her the next time she's on the train, like, hesitate when she's getting out, like, mm-hmm. remembering yeah. that thing, like, someone's watching me right now. And it's when she runs out, we overhear someone say, uh, are all those Japanese thrill, or all those psycho thrillers <laughs> made in Japan turn out like that? And I was just like, ooh, that meta joke. Well, that was that Greek chorus, right? That was those three dudes. Yeah. So they yeah, those three dudes. They were, they were talking chorus. about how boring Double Bind is probably gonna be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Genius. Yeah. And the entire audience is like, I mean, <laughs> we're with you. We're with you still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now she's kind of like scared all the time. Yeah. No, I mean, I got into it at this point. I, I was be. ready to keep watching at this point, honestly, because I was like, I need to know how this yeah. goes out. Yeah. I, I don't know at what point this was, but he was, he was there. Spooky man was there. And I just wrote, I don't like that guy. I don't like him one bit. <laughs> Voice of the people. I don't like that Sam I am. Yeah. Anytime I wrote him, like, I didn't even have to call him Spooky Guy. I just knew. I just knew who I was talking about. Him with a capital H. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote down CD for Creepy Dude. Nice. Perfect. Wait, I thought him was Powerpuff Girls. Also that. (laughs) It's a pretty good corollary. Same energy. Tis the season. <laughs> same. Yeah, these shows uh, are all the same. Yeah. <laughs> I like him a little. I like him from Powerpuff Girls a little better than this guy. I like him much more than this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and him is literal Satan in that world. So. <laughs> That's true. Wait, but quick non sequitur. Uh, are we at the point after she starts filming this stuff where Cham gets their hit single or not? Yeah. Is that now? Yeah. yeah. So my next note is actually. Uh, her friends are more successful without her. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I had a note about it, the the hurtful on the nose dialogue that they were like, "Oh, I guess we're doing so well as a two a twosome," as she's like right fucking there, and I'm like, "That's <laughs> yeah, she's reading her script." Just rude for people who've worked together for like yeah. years, apparently. Yeah, I guess rough. they just never liked her, or maybe they just don't like her now because she decided to go off and try something new, do important work. But it is at this point she finds out in the show she has to do a rape scene. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Since she only had one line previously, her agents have been fighting for her to get more screen time and more exposure to really transition into an acting career. So that turns into, well, we can have the character be central if she agrees to do this uh, rape scene. Oh, and right before that, there's actually that part where it kind of plays with the audience's brain because she's walking down the street and a man comes up to her and says, like, you're beautiful. Have you ever thought about being a model? I can make you a model. And she goes, a model? And I was like, Mima, no. (laughs) And then they, like, zoom out. Because I would have believed that Oh, yeah, and then they yell cut. And it's like, oh, this is part of the part of the Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of the beginning of, like, oh, no. Like, 
Yeah, it's the first taste into losing what's reality and what's the TV show and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rumi is super not into the idea of Mima doing this scene. But Mima's like, hey, I, I asked, we asked for more. If this is what I have to do, I'll do it. It's not like they're actually going to rape me. And I was like, don't jinx yourself. <laughs> well, she also Jesus. said that, like, very cavalierly. Like, it's not like they're actually going to rape me. And I was like, wow, this is a tone. <laughs> this is a choice. Ugh. But I also yeah. loved, yeah. I not loved, opposite of love, <laughs> how the cinematographer, whoever that was, was like, oh, you know, I'd actually prefer to shoot this in a real strip club, but because of what we're filming, the strip club won't let us. And I'm like, bitch, a strip club won't let you film this? Like, maybe <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't film it at all. If you're too sketchy for a strip club, yeah. then mm, maybe question your filming choices. Yeah, and I mean, this was a TV show. Like, what time was this airing? What network was this yeah, on? Yeah, what kind of fucked That's up HBO so- does Japan have that they can air <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, because Japan... We've kind of talked about this, like, in our Yuri on Ice episode about, like, showing just intimacy. Like, it's so hard to, like, get that approved Yeah. in Japan. But like, let alone this. That's what's surprising. That's why I thought this was a movie for a long time. Because in that scene, like, it's also a horrific scene. But the guy's also saying, like, fuck and bitch and, like, cursing and stuff. And I was like, is this TV? This can't be TV. Like, you wouldn't allow this on TV. So it has to be a movie. But then we see that it's, like, a serialized show. So I'm just like, what is... What is this? Law and Order SVU yeah. Japan is way worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think wow. that this is actually maybe a good time to talk about, like, the context of the scene in the movie, like, out of the movie. Like, yes, it, so there's, like, a, a conversation we could have about where this fits into the movie itself and the narrative. And then, then there's a, con- a conversation we could have about, like, is it necessary to have this gratuitous of a rape scene in this film to get this point across mm. as a psychological thriller? Or is this... Do you mean in Perfect Blue? In Perfect Blue. Itself? Yeah. In the movie that we watched as human beings. Like, was it necessary for it to be that gratuitous to move this plot forward? Yeah, it, it went on for a really yeah. long time. And I think nope. But I'd love to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. love to hear what everyone else thinks. Because, like, I also think that, like, 99% of the time, you don't need to show that much of a sexual assault. And the 1% yeah. that you do it should be in the hands of female creators or non-binary creators or survivors. And Absolutely. it's yeah. not, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's a so, male writer and director. I think in the context of the movie itself, like, I think it's just more of that whole, like, turning point and, like, what's reality and, like, how is this affecting Mima? Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning of the scene, like, she's like, this is fine. This is absolutely fine. But then the more it goes on for us as an audience and for Mima, it just fucks us up more and more. So it's focusing on her within the situation, which I think is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do think rape scenes are always gratuitous and never necessary. But if you think about it, like, from a psychological thriller perspective, it... uh, I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) Because... There is definitely a way they could have done this scene to make it more impactful and less gratuitous. Yeah. I think that's what I was trying to get at, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We get shots, like, from her perspective as this scene is going on, and it really 
puts you in her position of this is what I need to do as an actor now. And we understand that from just her like looking up at the lights and seeing the guy on top of her. And oh, he's yeah. like, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it, it's fine. Yeah. We're acting. But it's like I, that, that yeah. was way more powerful. That like yeah. that was way more powerful yeah. to me than like the kind of sexualized Seeing shots of her happen. tits that were happening. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. didn't need like, any nudity. You know, we didn't need it to go on for five right, minutes. Right, yeah. yeah. So those little pieces, and it's like later in the more actually violent sexual assault scenes, like there's still like sexy flashes of her body. And I'm like... All right, I'm seeing some voyeurism yeah, right now. Like, I'm just gonna put yeah, that this down. This is supposed like, to be like the horrific peak of the movie, and you're still using it to show boobs. Yeah, like, it's we still get clearly it. We get it. sexy. You, yeah. Use every opportunity in this film to show nudity. We understand. Oh. Yeah, we're on to you. <laughs> we <laughs> see you. I think for the show, for the double bind show, it was excessive, and they could definitely go on with just like implied, like you know, cut away. And even if they were going to do that in editing, you didn't need to film all of it. But I think for this movie, because it has that explicitly, like, horrific, like, it's not even, it, uh, yeah, it's just the assault scene, like, later with the stalker, it's it's a lot of allusions and cutbacks to that original scene on the movie set. And they needed to show a lot of similarities, like, you know, because we're losing that, like, break in reality where she can't differentiate anymore. So it's kind of like a, like trying to confuse the viewer of saying, like, is this a soul scene actually happening? Or is she remembering the movie scene from earlier and she can no longer differentiate reality? Because like, when that happens, it's pretty far into her like psychosis like of her brain. Yeah. So I think that those two scenes needed to have a lot of similarities and parallels. If it needed to be that gruesome, I'm not sure. But it, they had to be similar yeah. to what, with whatever they did in those scenes. But I, I always thought, like, one note I had is I don't think anything in this movie is sexy. I didn't find anything sexy about this. Well, so. yeah, I don't think it's sexy. Like, I don't think it's, it's not sexy to me. I'm not turned on. But, like, <laughs> but I think it's, like, when I watch it, I was, like, when I was watching, you know, the arcs of her back and, like, the way, like, really just kind of putting on my critic's eye and being, like, what kind of visuals are coming coming across here? Like, just the way that she was positioned and staged and, like, even when she's, like, running away from somebody at some point, like, I don't pant in a sexy way, like, you know, when I'm <laughs> running from somebody who's trying to murder me. And, like, you could, like, you could say, like, oh, like, it's not, like, sexual to me, but it's, like, there's something objectively sexual about and sexualized about it. And I think that, yeah. I think yeah. that there is just, like, that ickiness factor for me, and that's, like, me as kind of criticizing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as as a as a watcher, rather than going in and saying like, well, what's actually happening in the narrative? And it's like, well, in the narrative, obviously, it's not sexy. But it's like, well, then why? Like, why? Like, why is this kind of film of sexiness over it? Mm-hmm. And that's something that's in yeah. just every Law and Order SVU. Do you know what I mean? Like every like yeah. gritty, aggressive cop drama. Sometimes there's like this weird film of sexuality over it. And my question is why? But it's not like yeah. it's not like a yes or no thing. I'm just always kind of curious about it, and I think I'm curious. This is so new for me because I never watch anime, and I'm like, oh well, there's so much you can do, and so many choices that you make about how the positioning and the animation of the characters, especially the female characters, are. And it makes me think a lot about um, the women in video game series that we watched. Um, Anita Sarkeesian's work on like. 
feminist frequency, like, talking about women in video games and how, like, animated women are staged in certain positions in video games. And it just, like, has given me kind of things to look out for in terms of, like, all right, well, what physical positions are people in? Mm -hmm. What, you know, like, how are they breathing? How are they talking? How are they positioned? Like, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's something that I just kept thinking about as I was watching this movie. Yeah, that's definitely something in anime, especially anime dubbing, is, like, as you mentioned, the sexy panting while running is... Uh, it, like when I'm of, running, I'm uh, like, ugh, ugh. ugh. <laughs> like it sounds <laughs> so horrible. Yeah, I mean, in in like every anime, like the yeah. the sounds are never like just like ugh. It's always like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like that was a perfect anime data. <laughs> we just watched a very cutesy romantic comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever the girl runs, it's uh, very borderline sexual, and it's <laughs> uh, a little bit. Uh, disturbing give me your best anime pant pat i want to hear it (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't want this oh it's so good red alert (laughs) i'm upset now i have another ringtone for (laughs) y'all that's kind of what i was thinking though if like this was bordering on that line of like excessively sexualized i didn't see it but i was also like I said, I was very quickly swept up into the story, so I wasn't looking at it with as analytical of an eye, uh, at least for my first mm. viewing of it. Um, but I think this movie did it, unfortunately, more tastefully than a lot of anime does. Oh, so my God. Like, <laughs> We're bummed out by yeah, that. So, like, so yeah. let that be a warning if you uh, want to watch <laughs> yeah. any more anime. So, th- yeah, it's just like, this is done pretty well as far as an anime movie would go. So, unfortunately, there's a lot worse out Oh, there. no. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. let's move on. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rumi's crying. So, so it was so happening. So Rumi's crying and leaving. And then the sleazy producer is like, why don't I treat you to a nice meal since you've been working so hard? And she's like, Yay! <laughs> That's right. Uh, that did turn out okay. Though. I know. I was I'm like, sure this is going to be bad. Her nice meal. But I guess she just did yeah. get dinner. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was really worried. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Once once she returns to her apartment after this scene, uh, she sees that, oh no, she forgot to feed her fish and they died. And this what? is sort of the breaking point for her. And this is where she mm-hmm. flips out and has the delayed emotional response of going through this traumatic scene mm-hmm. and just shouting and screaming i didn't actually want to do it i i needed to do it uh and sort of actually showing that this isn't okay she's not happy having simulated rape on top of her Mm -hmm. and she sort of destroys her apartment in the process and then we see the fish are still alive and and this is just another uh psychotic break for her and I think this is this is the first time that she sees like her cham idol self like start to communicate yeah. with her. There's mm-hmm. a very quick moment in the train where she's like looking in her reflection and pop idol Mima says, uh, I don't want to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But that's super quick. But yeah, this is where she like sees her reflection yeah. in her computer. She comes in hard at this point. And she's like, ha, yeah. I'm a pop idol, but you're just a whore. God. And I'm pretty sure that that's yeah. verbatim. Love it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's an actual I think that's quote. a pull quote. Yes. <laughs> we see... Creepy dude. Yeah. In um, his abode. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is. His closet. His little Wade closet. The rape scene has aired at this point, I suppose. Yeah. Because he's very mad about it. He is very unhappy. So he makes a blog post on the Mima's Room blog and essentially says that the Mima that's doing Double Bind is an imposter. I wrote this quote. 
the real Mima is writing this. No one likes a pop idol with a tarnished reputation. Ooh. Yeah, yes. so he's very much uh, disapproving of this career choice. Uh, he's writing that uh, it's all the uh, writer's fault for writing this horrific scene, and this is unbecoming that the real Mima would never do this. Only an imposter would mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this was the point where I started writing down all of the stuff about the double bind, because he says no one likes a pop idol with a tarnished reputation. And I think that's when, in my mind, it really starts coming into play, the whole idea of a double bind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, this is also the, this is the point for me, and I think it's supposed to be this, but, like, as an audience member, I started to get very confused about who was writing the Mima's Room blog, because, like, mm. sometimes it's, like, Mima's reading it, and she's like, no, I didn't write that, but then I want to be like, girl, you weren't writing any of it, were you? And then, like, sometimes the spooky guy is, like, reading it, but it looks like he's writing it, but is he? And then later it's like he's receiving a message, and, and I think it was on purpose to kind of have us all be feeling yeah. like, who is, like, the Mima in Mima's room? And then, like, that's the big reveal at the end. Yeah, his mouth, his mouth, like, he'll be reading the blog posts back to himself, and they do it, like, in Mima's mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. But his mouth will be moving. Yikes. Symbolism. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely intentional. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how they mix up, like, who's doing what. Because it really establishes to the audience, you don't know who Mima is as much as Mima doesn't know who Mima is. And it's just really powerful to just have that confusion and all these different narratives and who's the real personality. Is there an imposter? Are there multiple imposters? Mm -hmm. What's going on? And it just... I have goosebumps. And it's it's really good. I really like this. I think it's when the, the waking up all of a sudden starts to kick into high gear and i wrote down the what was yesterday quote um mm-hmm, and at first i was like lol and then i was also like <laughs> i was also feeling like she doesn't know like she doesn't know she's like you were here i, I don't even know anymore and i'm so i as an audience member i'm like same girl i have no idea where we are <laughs> Um, so I think from a filmmaking perspective, I really was with her. Yeah, I thought there was, like, a glitch in the video. Yeah, Yeah, with the cake. Like, because (laughs) the exact same thing happened. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. And then Rumi was like, I was here yesterday. And I was like, okay. (laughs) We are also going crazy. Cool. Yeah, this is a very good point where it shows that this isn't, like, a mystery movie where it's like, oh, try and figure out who the killer is before, you know, it's revealed at the end. This is like kind of like Memento or Fight Club, where, like, this is a psychological movie where you are kind of in the perspective of the main character and all of your information mm-hmm. is tinted in this bias, like, from their point of view. So it's as inconsistent as, for us as it is for them. I know for me, I always try and figure out the ending before it happens. And in the movie like this, there's no really no way you can or Impossible. reasonably should because the information you're getting that would hint at who, you know, the killer is, it's skewed and it's you're not getting the right information it's slanted in some way and this is where it's just like the movie is supposed to be very jarring and confusing and disorientating because you're supposed to be in the position of uh, mima like you're supposed to be in her shoes and as confused as she is as hard as it was to follow that was their intention and it was they did it well because it was hard to follow yeah oh yeah but I, I think this is also around the time we get our first murder. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that actually happens uh, before <laughs> the Oh, we fucking love it. We love murder on our podcast. <laughs> love we love it. a good murder. We love a good crime. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the 
screenwriter pulls up into the parking lot and uh, there's blood all over his uh, parking sign and he's like what the hell <laughs> and then there is and then there is ominous j-pop which Blasting. is lasting oh an aesthetic a mood. <laughs> ominous j-pop i assumed that was cham playing is that wrong yeah, it, no. was. Oh, nice. it was. Yeah, I'm following the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you're catching on. <laughs> uh, so he he goes to the elevator and the elevator doors open and the boombox is in the elevator and I really like how loud it was. I was like, ooh, yeah, damn. It was distorted. I thought it, I I was wearing my headphones while watching it because I was just watching it on my phone, and I was like, oh, I thought that was such a cool choice, like mm-hmm. to actually make it distorted and not just loud. And I think um, it's a sign that the killer's worst crime is playing music loudly in public. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Everything else is No one wants to hear your this music. Don't do it. Yeah. So he decides to go in the elevator or gets dragged in. We don't really see. Um, but then we do see that uh, he has been murdered and both of his eyes have been gouged out. Yeah. My last note on a page, it says, lol, goodbye eyes. <laughs> I think yeah. Sam also said Later. that out loud. We watched it together, and she was yeah. like, "Yikes! Bye, yeah. eyes." <laughs> it was at this point that I was like, "Things have gone from like spooky to horrifying real fast." Yeah, like this is now terrifying. Yeah, and I like that it the TV show just keeps on shooting. They're just like, "All right, let's wrap scene." You know, let's go. I'm like, "Hey, the writer was just not like died in a car accident, like." horrifically brutally murdered like i would be out of this project immediately yeah yeah that it's not great and uh mima's in the car with uh is it the agent she's with yeah i think her her male agent yeah and they're like oh it's it's fine they'll sort it out there's no way it's related to uh i don't know the bombing that was directed towards you the fact that they said that this was just a taste of what you're gonna get and basically (laughs) told you this was gonna happen yeah yeah. yeah, that changes this, yeah. especially knowing that. Mm-hmm. And he even mm. says, uh, "Oh, don't be sad, just smile." And it, oh, <laughs> uh, immediately, you look so I much to... prettier uh, when you smile. Uh, 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 Kill me. me. Uh. <laughs> just the worst. And then, how quickly does the second murder happen? I feel like it happens pretty quickly afterwards. No, nope. there's something in the middle. Once, there is. Yeah. There's the nude photo shoot happens. In the oh yes, shoot. yes, yes. That yeah. happened. That's what I was gonna mention. Which yeah. I was. Yeah. So yeah. Mima, you Mima goes to do a. Who talks about it? Is it is it her, it's her uh, former, former girl group? Yeah. They say like, oh, he's notorious for getting girls' clothes off. And while it was happening, I was like, no, if you feel empowered by it, okay. But Mima, <laughs> if choice. you feel pressured into it, no. Well, but that was my whole question yeah. was like, it was very clearly, like it wasn't like nude photos that she took like for herself and then like mm-hmm. kept them on her phone or something like that. Like she was very clearly in like an editorial nude photo shoot. And then when they came out, yeah, and then when they came out, she was like, no. And like, of course, I don't want anyone's naked body to be somewhere without their permission. But it was like so clearly an editorial photo shoot. And I'm like, what was this for? Like, was this just an editorial nude photo shoot for you to have private nude photos of yourself? (laughs) Or did you not? Who was this guy? Like, Like, of course, they would be published somewhere if it was a photo shoot. Um, so that yeah. confused me, I must say. But I'm on her side if she didn't want them out there. Even afterwards. Sure. Because, like, there are, like, the tasteful nudes that you'll see in, like, just big magazines. Like Vanity where Fair, it's like, you know. Like, yeah, like, everything's covered, whatever. but you can tell they're not actually wearing clothes. But these were just straight up, like, uh, porn shots. Titties out. Yeah. Also, very industry. gratuitous for this scene. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, long, long shots of just her getting n- photographed naked. But it's, like, even today, like, even if you were trying to rebrand Mima as, like, Mima's a sexy actress now, she's no longer yeah. a pop idol, why would her full vagina yeah. be in the shot? You don't need to yeah. go pussy out this to rebrand. Actually, you I, know what I mean? Yeah, I was, I just read a book, actually, where in one of the chapters, the author covered... Uh, like Disney stars and their transition into like not being a Disney star anymore, and it was around the time that Miley Cyrus was having her transition. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So they talked about like when she was 15, 16, she did like a nude photo shoot with Vanity Fair. And when it came out, she was like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Oh, sorry. She's Southern. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Hey, y'all. But I guess that's kind of a similar thing as to what happens with Mima. Like when it comes out, she's like, oh, God. Yeah. Could you make the case that it's uh, for the double bind of... They get the new photo shoot out there so they can promote it as sexy for this very sexualized show where they had a rape That's scene. That's exactly. But then she's also playing it, it off Brendan. of like, oh no, I, you know, how could it be like this? Ah, like trying to like faux pretend to be like embarrassed. We're sociologists yeah. now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Mima's actually that's, fine with it. She's like, my tits yeah. look amazing. Body's <laughs> banging. So she gets real upset, and that's when she screams in a bathtub. Which, yeah. big mood. I respect that. Huge mood. <laughs> oh, and we see we see spooky guy. Stalk. He buys. Oh, yeah, he, oh that was so creepy. one. I, think, I couldn't yeah. tell if it was. I think it's um, twofold. I couldn't tell if it was like, nobody gets to see this, or if it was like, I want all. No, it I so it's felt like the former. I really feel like it was, I feel like what makes it scarier is that he was like, no, no, nobody look at her. Nobody look at her. Like that feels yeah. more yeah. I must keep you safe. Yeah, yeah. Because you're my yeah. perfect little pristine Well, that's what's kind of creepy with the obsessed fan of uh, Bjork mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He says like, he, uh, when he decides on this, he starts recording himself and has like 22 hour long videos like a bunch of videotapes where he films his like a video diary <gasps> and he says in it like he's explicitly not sexually attracted to bjork like it's not a sexual relationship he doesn't dream of having sex with her like he's just in love with her and it's like oh that somehow makes it creepier. Yeah, it's worse yeah <laughs> in the um in the documentary i watched it's called tokyo idol it was on um netflix i don't know if it still is but it's really good um that's they follow a guy who um he's like in his 50s and he is obsessed with this one girl in this one idol group. And he fully knows, like, he's not delusional. He knows that he's never going to be with her. But, like, his devotion to her is so strong that he got a divorce. Yikes. Ew. Or maybe it was either he got a divorce or he was in a very serious relationship of many years and they broke up. Sounds like somebody out there dodged yeah. a bullet, I have to say. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, good <laughs> <Yeah>. for her. <laughs> But so, like, that is part of it. Like, they know, they're fully cognizant of the fact that they'll never be with them, but they're just, like, so devoted to them that they just devote their lives to it. Yeah, Yeah, and going into even the creepy dude just buying all these magazines in the video I watched, there was a clip of a fan who was saying, I've spent thousands of dollars buying presents and concert tickets and all of this. Yeah, I could have bought my own apartment. Not rent, but bought it. But... I chose to spend all my money on this group yeah. that I love so yeah. much. That's kind of like stan culture now. Like, I follow a um, girl who is a Trixie Mattel stan. And, like, I see all these tweets that she likes. And, like, these people, 
they say like, oh yeah, Trixie Mattel messages me like on Twitter and stuff. And like, they'll respond to Trixie Mattel's tweets as if they're friends. But when it comes down to it, he he would never hang out with them. Yeah. If, yeah. if they weren't paying for it. They pay to go see his concerts. They pay for the meet and greets. Like it's it's yeah. weird and well when we were covering um you did this segment too sam jake and logan paul yeah we talked about their fan base oh boy and how mm. you know you, you have these 13 year old girls who would say like who would comment in the morning in the evening like good morning baby like good night baby like miss you so much like uh. as if they were their girlfriend yeah which like wh- what? what big what it's yeah. it's kind of like big in what? line with like the massive amount of like advertisement and like getting people invested in something and that's why like there's so many reboots and remakes of movies and stuff because it's like oh people are already fans of this already invested so we can make more money off of this but now we're seeing especially with social media it's transitioning into people like Mm -hmm. into their lives and not just fictional stories um but like people have always been weirdly obsessive with like the worst kinds of people um the boston bombing uh two kids mm-hmm. um yeah. the one that got sent to jail there was a bunch of teenage girls sending in letters saying like release oh, them yeah. and stuff and that There's conversation about who- the rolling stone cover too yeah yeah there was a guy known as like the beautiful prisoner where he was like in jail i think for like attempted homicide or something like some pretty brutal crimes and women are writing in saying, like, he's too beautiful to be in prison and all this. And he actually got a modeling job once he got out of prison. Like, oh, you're talking about Hot Felon. Hot Felon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know about that guy. He's, like, what? a model now. No. Exactly. Ugh. And he's got, like, teardrop tattoos yes. saying, like, yeah, I murdered someone in jail. Like, <laughs> this is too much. But he has yeah, very so blue there's... eyes. Well, we Roddy's else. a bad boy and I can fix him. <laughs> exactly. uh, I can fix him. We could go him. so old school, though. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer, certified babe in some people's minds. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. People love that. Uh, Charles Manson had, like, a 25-year-old wife yeah. right, until he died. Yeah. Why? Um, so I think there's always been this, like, with Stan culture, I still don't understand what Stan means, but it just seems like obsessive fan or just very passionate Super fan. fan. Yeah. That's how I think of oh, it. Oh, yeah. I thought and it was Stalker always... Fan. Yeah, Stalker Fan. It's based off an oh. Eminem song. Oh. Then why do people call themselves that? <laughs> they don't understand like we do. Um, oh my god so i think that's it's always been an issue it's always been a problem like with people and being a clinging to something and making it part of their identity and being obsessed with it but now we're at this new level with social media and like youtubers you can have it every day twitter stars like people are famous for just being themselves or this personification of themselves and now people are even much much more being obsessed with this avatar people you know curate and you know customize to fit the exact need and mold right so like like i said with more social media it's get this movie's getting much much more relevant with every passing day and it's yeah terrifying well like if somebody's daily vlogging tweeting instagramming they have a facebook page i would interact mm-hmm. with them more than i interact with my mom do you know what i mean like yeah. if i'm following yeah them. <laughs> like yeah. i would have way more interaction with them than anyone else yeah, they feel very available. Mm-hmm. Yikes. They're, they're not actually. They're never going to talk to you. But you can imagine that they will. Uh, and that's what you hold out hope for. Or get yeah, a hobby. It... Take a nice brisk walk outside. Knit a sweater. <laughs> Do knit anything yes. else. Yeah. <laughs> anything else. Can we talk about the second murder Perfect. yet? Can we talk about the pizza murder now? Let's just uh, wrap up the narrative because it gets so non-linear. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so, distorted yeah. between uh, fantasy and reality. Let's yeah. sort of just uh, briefly visual. summarize the end, uh, just so we sure. can 
uh, we can talk about everything together. Uh, yeah. So we're not trying to uh, get back to it. Uh, this is an, an enigma of a, a storyline. So I yeah I don't want to spend uh, eight more hours pretending to uh, know how. <laughs> yeah, Pat, give us a clean wrap up. <laughs> All yeah. right. Uh, she goes to the radio station where the uh, Cham girls that are still in the band are doing a little radio show saying, hey, come to our show. And this is where we get a full-fledged delusion of uh, fantasy uh, Mima sort of taunting her and saying, oh, there's so much better without you. To the point where uh, real-life Mima needs to, like, chase her out of the building as she, like, skips away taunting her about how she sucks now. Uh, And we get lots of flashes with the TV show and how the narrative of that is starting to influence uh, life or vice versa. The pizza murder. Oh, yeah, we get that sweet pizza murder. (laughs) Yeah, we get the pizza murder uh, where uh, the male agent of Mima is uh, stabbed many times. No, no, no. It's the photographer. Oh, the the photographer. Excuse me. Because her nude photos are like spliced through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Uh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> yeah, he he is stabbed all over, it, um, including I, I I needed to note he was stabbed in the dick. Yeah, sure was. That was mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed that as some revenge. Good for her. Um, yeah. But was it her? Who was it? It's hinted. Did did she do it? Did the character in the show do it? Did she get her revenge for being exposed? Was it just the narrative plot of the show and she can't tell what reality is anymore? And they start to talk about, on the TV show, the character has disassociative identity disorder, where mm-hmm. they have multiple personalities and cannot differentiate what is real, what is fake, which personality is what, and all that fun stuff. So um, juicy stuff. Yeah, yeah, I made a quick note. So she's an idol trying to be an actress, trying to be a normal girl in a show who's tr- who is trying to be an idol who's trying to be an actress. Like <laughs> it's her real life is her character in the show, but then her character in the show also has this, this uh, personality disorder. So like, no wonder she's so fucking confused because she's playing like two versions of her life, but then a third pr- version, which is just her public life. So like, mm-hmm. my God, yeah, yeah, a hard yeah. day for Mima. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it it gets rough. It's hard to separate work life and personal life sometimes. But this is a new degree. Yeah, this, this is much. ridiculous. But then they, they then they eventually wrap the TV show. It is wrapped, and uh, she's still having these delusions, even though she's not on it. And we have the creepy dude finally attacks and. It sort of comes out of nowhere, it seems. Uh, I may not... This is at the point where my notes are very sparse. But, (laughs) um, yeah, it seems to be very out of the blue, uh, the parallels between the uh, film drape scene and this attempted attack. It's also the, uh, like, finale of the show. (sighs) Yeah, it cuts to her, like hitting him in the head with a hammer and he goes down and dies with a very comical like chuckle as he yeah, I <laughs> just collapsed happening there yeah but then it's then they cut to the set and everyone's like that's a wrap we've we finished the show so it happened you, in both you got situations. the murderer yeah so uh yeah it's not made clear did that actually happen in real life did can she not separate work from 
uh, her real life anymore? Was she actually attacked? Uh, it's not super made clear. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get to uh, she's back at her apartment and the pop idol uh, fantasy uh, Mima attacks. I'll say um, after the uh, assault attack against her, like and the finale of the show, Rumi takes her back and says, "I'm going to take you back to Mima's room." Yeah. And yeah. you're like, huh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, yeah. it quickly flashes to, like, an office in the building, and both her male manager and spooky guy are there, like, stabbed with screwdrivers. So then the question yeah, is, dead. well, then, it wasn't spooky guy masterminding all of this then, because he was busy, you know, trying to rape and murder somebody, so he couldn't have murdered this other guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Rumi takes her back, and the room looks exactly like hers, but she opens the window and sees, no, this is just a room that's designed to look exactly like her room. Because the poster's still is up and her fish yes. are still alive. Yes, yeah, because yeah. at the very beginning okay. she takes down her Chan poster because she's like, guess I'm not a pop idol anymore. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when she wakes up, the Chan poster is still up. And moreover, she opens the window yeah. and it's a different view. Okay, I thought it was like a time no, thing. No, she opens the window and it's a different view. I looked, this is confirmed on Wikipedia. <laughs> that yeah. she gets to, she gets okay, to like a facsimile so of her own room. Her okay. apartment didn't have a train going past it. Yeah, that yeah, right. that who has made for their own purposes. Anyone? Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I twist. know. I know. <laughs> it's Ruby. But yeah. So uh, I I don't know if I missed it earlier, but uh, it's now established that Rumi was also a former pop idol wait what uh, they mentioned it what? Like, that, i saw that on wikipedia but i didn't get it in the movie wait 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 how, yeah, how is that established uh, it's, uh they say it what? someone says it to it. her they're like i know you were a failed pop idol so like i think the male agent says that Jeez. yeah oh. i noticed it at the very last scene uh but seeing uh, uh mima she attached her like failed uh, attempt to be an idol onto her, and when she moved on, she snapped and decided, no, she can't do this. She has to be the pop idol, and sort of takes on that persona and becomes her. Uh, so she attacks and tries to take like her rightful place as pop Mima, and uh, they have an extended. Uh, sexy breathing chase scene uh, through <laughs> the city. Even um, when she like stabs herself, like impales herself on a piece of glass, her ass is fully out. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> just like oh, like her ass is tilted out like a comic book heroine, <laughs> even though she's currently bleeding all over the ground. Hot. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, exactly what we needed in the climax of this movie is uh, even more uh, tits and ass. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, this was the uh, this gave me solid goosebumps and is my favorite shot. Um, after she impales herself in glass trying to kill Mima, she staggers into the street, and uh, a truck is coming to hit her. And the way the uh, two headlights of this truck. She puts her hands up as if she's going out on stage for the last time. Mm. And it just... Yeah, I oh, love that it, shot. Mm, that was such a good shot. Uh, that's one of my favorite things I've seen in such a long time. Because it also uh, bookends it with the opening where they go on stage for the yeah. uh, last performance. And mm-hmm. Mima pushes her out of the way so she isn't hit by the truck. Uh, and she's institutionalized for disassociative identity disorder. And I want to talk about this last scene because it sort of just it's, abruptly ends. Yeah, it's very jarring. Yeah. 
I wanted more. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hold on. You can't do this to me. I just went through something. <laughs> yeah. We need and a I need an answer. Uh, Mima visits uh, uh, Rumi in this mental institution to just... I think she brings her flowers from her quote-unquote adoring fans because she still believes she's pop idol Mima. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she leaves and just looks at her reflection in the rearview mirror of her car and she's like, huh, I know that's me, ha-ha. And then the movie ends. And it, <laughs> Well, you did leave out a, like, little, what, a little piece uh, where the nurses were the kind of nurses. chatting about her and they were like, oh, well, that can't be the real Mima coming to visit this Looney Tune. So it must be an it but must be so a Mima now. lookalike because she's much more famous now I think, um, yeah. and so the the nurses say like oh she must be a Mima lookalike, and then so she gets in the car and she says nope I'm the real thing, um, like a Hard little cut. joke, so still more I need, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I get it. Kind of like, I get it. She Ooh. she was so chipper being like, ha, huh, I'm not delusional. <laughs> and it's like, oh, but you were for like the last hour. What? How did you? I know time has passed, but for me, it's been 30 seconds. And yeah. uh, I need more time than that for you to already be chuckling about the trauma <laughs> you put me through. And the music is so happy at the end. Like, she's really like, so nope, upbeat. it's me. And then it cuts to black and music like, I was like, where am I? I think I think it's just it's probably supposed to be that unsettling where she just kind of figured her shit out and we're just kind of like, hold on, did she or is she still kind of nuts? But during the final chase scene, there is like a moment where Mima like looks into the reflection of a window on a building and she like sees herself. And I think that's supposed to be a kind of like moment of like okay, this is me, I know this now, because I yeah, know now definitely. that the pop idol Mima was just Rumi trying to make me crazy. Yeah, then I we think, see Rumi yeah. behind her, like, looking like idol Mima, but then in the reflection, it's Rumi running and sweating, like, panting. Mm, but what yeah. we see is the idol Mima, like, bouncing around, floating. So, yeah, I think that was her way of saying, like, you know, the one in the reflection, like, Mima's now, like, now it makes sense to Mima, so now she's gotten a hold of her, like, own mental yeah. stability. So I truly believe it's actually mm-hmm. a pretty straightforward, quote-unquote, happy ending for her, but I call bullshit. Yeah. I wish it was way more fucked up. I wish she got into the car and then, like, pulled on, like, a fucking pop star wig and, like, the glass shattered or something. <laughs> like, I wanted more. I wanted more. I was like, I'm already so fucked up over this. Now. Like, I just want to go out on a full crazy note. That's what I'd prefer. Yeah, I, I think they kind of knew that's where a lot of people were expecting it to go because the last like forty minutes of the movies were just so disorienting and just like unsettling. And they're like, "How do we subvert expectation even further?" It's like a hard cut with very upbeat, happy music <laughs> and just like a one-liner. And it's like no one's expecting it. And now I feel like teased. I feel like I was you know promised something and it was just yanked away from my hands. Like the last thing it's just like, "Huh." Yeah, here's a oh, shot God. out of left and, like, field. Everything <laughs> works out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's like, if and the whole Kurt. movie wasn't enough, here's this. This is me speculating wildly, but I guess it may be a comment on, like, idol culture of, like, even though we know all this Ooh. fucked up shit is going on, at the end of the day, it's a upbeat poppy song, it's a happy girl smiling at herself in a mirror, and it's just quick and easy. So Ooh, I don't know I if that's what that. they're going for, or... I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go with that, because that's, that's more satisfying yeah. than just... Huh, it's over. I, I win. Yeah. yeah, I um the thing that I noticed that like gave me some narrative satisfaction is like throughout the movie, 
Mima is driven by, like, her male and female managers. Like, she's always having to, like, oh, I'll go get them to drive you home. Or, like, oh, you drive Mima home and I'll da-da-da. And in the final scene, like, Mima gets in the car and she's driving herself. So I thought maybe oh. that was, oh, like, yeah. a metaphorical thing yeah. about, like... She was letting... She has her own agency. Yeah, she was letting all these people control her. They did end up all dead, but, like, <laughs> she... So it works out. She now at least feels, like, the confidence to drive herself, both literally to see, like, this old friend of hers who went crazy, and metaphorically drive herself to, like, the next thing. She feels confident in who she is, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sh- yeah. Uh, she literally had the patriarchy that forced her to do stuff killed. Yeah. And now she can <laughs> take control of her own life. And you know what? I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> An afternoon well spent. Um, yeah, so actually now now I can answer why it's called Perfect Day. Um, if you If you notice, throughout the movie, there's not a lot of blue. It's a lot of red. Mm. A lot of pinks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was watching a video, literally, it was like, the it's called The Use of Red in Perfect Blue. Um, and throughout the movie, like, red is used more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are parts where the best example of it is uh, it's after the creepy guy uh, attacks her at the studio after the rap. Mima is, like, all disheveled and stuff, and Rumi comes up to her, and the background is entirely red. Mm. Like, the wall they're standing in front of is just bright, bright red. And it's kind of supposed to be, like, a symbol of where Mima is at with her insanity and, like, how deep she is in her psychosis. Yeah, because I saw that pointed out with um, the first scene when she's in the TV series, where she has that one line of like, oh, it's you, or whatever, and she's sitting on a bench, and it just glow- near glowing white background behind her, like, just bl- almost blindingly so, and, you know, white's usually a sign of, like, innocence, and this is before she had any, like, breakdowns and stuff, and then, yeah, it transitions into this dark red by the end of it. Yeah, so at the end, when she literally, just like, just the shot of her looking in the rearview mirror is, like, kind of the first time we get, like, this perfect, pristine blue sky. Ooh. Oh. When she's, like, finally herself, and she's like, I know this is me. She has clarity. So, perfect blue. Ooh. Okay. Nice. I love yeah. it. I love a good yeah. metaphor. I, I'm a big fan of color and the use of color to evoke metaphors and feelings and moods and stuff we actually did an episode about that we had a guest star um our other roommate come on and talk about color theory on i'm horrified yeah it was fun it was very fun lovely we talked about how red makes you hungry so now i understand why i need a snack (laughs) after watching this film yeah huh it'll do it to (laughs) you yeah so in the theme of making things even more horrifying i learned this this morning i want to say that yeah, this was a fun animated movie. It's sort of, uh, you can tell everything's going to be okay because it's all animated. Uh, but what if this was a live action movie? Because that's what this was supposed to be originally. Really? <gasps> oh my god. Yes. Oh. I was, uh, in my research this morning, I saw uh, that this was supposed to be the adaptation of a book called complete metamorphosis and it was supposed to be live action but there was a devastating earthquake that uh destroyed the film studio that was supposed to make it 
So in order to that was still God saying make this nope movie, to this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> strike it down. In uh, the spirit of finishing the movie, even though they didn't have the resources to make it live action, they decided to make it animated instead. Wow! And uh, they sort of hint at this because I I wrote it down thinking it would be important later, but it totally wasn't. It was uh, sort of a meta call. Uh, when she first gets to her apartment in the beginning, they talk about how a devastating earthquake destroyed uh, yeah. a bunch of cities and stuff. And that's sort of a nod to the acknowledgement that this movie exists because of this devastating earthquake. Okay, wow. I, I didn't write down exactly what the newscast was, but I was like, they're definitely like, it's too clear. This is definitely like in there for a reason. Yeah, it's the typical horror trope of the important information is in like a news broadcast in the background that the character yeah. doesn't pay attention to. So I was like, this will definitely be important. Yeah, it's like monsters are being released as that person's like drinking a latte and like flipping through the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. That happens yeah. a lot. Oh, mad cow disease is breaking out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't this a huge inspiration for Black Swan though too? Yes. So it, uh, like parts of it were like Oh, I see it. Yeah, that is uh, the that. other I thing. I want to now. <laughs> is um, Aronofsky? Is that the yeah, director Darren of Black Aronofsky, Swan? Yeah, Darren Aronofsky, who also did Requiem for so. a Dream, which reminded me of this film a lot. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, he is a big fan of this film because Requiem for a Dream, he directly uh, took the bathtub scene from this of just laying down, face down, screaming underwater. Uh, that's a direct reference to this film. Uh, he was so inspired by this movie for Black Swan that he bought the rights for it. I think originally was going to make an adaptation of this movie. I'm not positive, but ended up incorporating many elements into, uh, at points, like scene shot for shot remakes into uh, Black Swan. Well, yeah. I, honestly, hmm. I honestly think that Black Swan, because like my... And the question that you asked earlier that we didn't really answer of, like, what if this was a live-action movie? I think that, like, I can kind of see how a lot of the more traumatic elements contribute to her personal narrative, which, you know, if anything's going to happen that's that traumatic, it should feed directly into, you know, the ownership that the character has over their own self and their own understanding of themselves. So in that way, I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. But live-action, I feel like it would just be too overwhelming like i honestly just think it would be too upsetting for an audience member to deal with but black swan deals with sort of natalie portman's character's breakdown in a kind of different way like her breakdown comes a lot from her sense of individuality her sense of childishness as being living in this really centered like self-centered sheltered lifestyle and this breakdown of her trying to please her mother and please herself and you know like trying to get to this place and it's kind of like it's a kind of a different breakdown of her psychosis than Mima's in a way that I think is a lot more appropriate for live action and especially with the mm. um, powder keg culture that is ballet. So I think that it it really <laughs> yeah. lent itself to that and I think that he did, a, I liked Black Swan a lot personally um, and mm. I think that it's kind of the perfect remake if they're gonna do a live action <laughs> version of this <laughs> yeah. that's much yeah. better. Yeah, I think if, if this movie itself was live action, like it definitely wouldn't have been as surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just, like, the stuff they can do with animation and 
the melting of scenes together. The intensity together. of it all. Yeah, because you can't get the uh, imagery of like uh, fantasy pop meme, uh, Mima, like skipping along the light posts. Mm. Because the second you take this story and add like special effects to it, you go, okay, this is fake. This is the yeah, fantasy. Or it would just because feel, it's... if it was live action, that kind of thing would feel silly. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah. I, so. I just like, I don't know. I think too, like the style is. It's more realistic for anime, and I think that's probably a choice that they made, knowing that they wanted it to be live action. They probably wanted you to be able to be like, okay, I can see this in the real world. Like, she seems like a real girl to me. The video I watched pointed out that they make it feel more realistic by having pretty much everyone in the movie kind of look pretty, like, homely or ugly, but then the yeah. idols and the actresses are beautiful. Yeah. And it's that way of, like, showing, like, there are ug- there are beautiful people in this world, but, like, 90% of them are ugly and, like, unimportant or something. And that's, like, a subtle way where you don't really pay too much attention to it, but it does fill in a lot of pieces in your head. That's real. Mm-hmm. I, I found myself thinking that, because usually when you watch a cartoon, like, everyone's just kind of generically hot. And that's just, like, the yeah. background mm-hmm. world is just... And that's true also, like, if you, if you watch TV shows on CW or, like, any of that, it's just, like, yeah, there's a lot of generic yeah. hotness happening. Like, the janitor's hot. Like, the lunch yeah. lady's hot. <laughs> it's fine. But, like, this was a movie where I kept thinking, like, oh, their eyes are weird. Like, oh, yeah. their teeth is weird. I like, also found it very interesting that Rumi was very purposefully, like, um, fat. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was, yeah. that was kind mm-hmm. of... visually like she was stuffing herself into that costume and I think that there was this element of you know like just because society has indicated to us like oh that is not young and beautiful like that is a departure from the norm of beautiful social standards and so I feel like there was definitely like a contrast there between her Rumi Mm -hmm. trying to be Mima um how how much I like that choice can't say uh, I don't, I don't yeah. really, <laughs> um, but, cause it just seems so tired, but you know, like that it seemed like a choice that was along the same veins. And I think that's, that's yeah. like a, a symptom of this movie being made in the nineties too. Uh, too absolutely you know true. what I mean? Yeah. Like totally. nowadays we're having way more and better and more interesting conversations about, about what people look like when they're bad or good or, or in the, in between. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like how I mentioned this at the beginning, but I do like how blatantly ugly we find out we call him me mania <laughs> we just call him creepy yeah. dude this the whole stalker. time yeah like eh. how blatantly ugly he is because everyone else yeah they're like homely and normal looking mm-hmm. whereas he is just he's yikes. But I also- tall yeah. lanky disheveled hair he's got like a glassy fish eye uh-huh. uh, bad teeth like very gray and like gaunt like yeah, he looks like a zombie. but I also got a very like Frankenstein's monster vibe from him, and not just because we watched Young Frankenstein yesterday. True, um, <laughs> because I honestly he wasn't the antagonist. Rumi was the antagonist. No, and so he mm-hmm. was the ugliest. But I feel like he was more of a childish pawn of Rumi's yeah. doing because well, Rumi was the one who was saying, and, and that doesn't you know negate the fact that he tried to rape her and is a bad person objectively but like i definitely (laughs) think it was an interesting choice for like the greater evil to be not aggression or desire but jealousy and envy i thought that that was really interesting he's the physical manifestation of the dark side of idol culture so absolutely uh, he's he's the fan he this is who 
uh, idols are marketed towards. And this is the person uh, representing just how savage the uh, reputation of these idols and their scorn when they change is going to be. I actually, when he speaks, (gasps) we were so jolted by that. When he spoke, I was like, I was like, is that him? And then I was kind of like, that's a choice. But then as, but then as the scene went on, I was like, oh, that is the choice. (laughs) Because like, I was thinking about in my mind, I was like, could they have gone deeper? Like what else could they have done, done with his voice? But like, that's it, you know? Like, that's like, ugh. Like, as the scene went on and he spoke more, I was like, oh, my skin is yeah, crawling. That's it. That is and his I'm voice. sure that's, yeah. yeah. The most intimidating thing is the most unintimidating thing. Like, it's subverting your expectations. Because if it was a deep, huskier voice, like, you would kind of expect that to a degree. Yeah. But the fact that it's kind of a higher register, it's just like, oh, no, that was, this is more unsettling. Yeah, he's not this big, scary yeah. bad guy. He's this scary, closeted, nerdy, obsessive freak who lives in you know a basement thinking about you on the internet yeah. all day incels yeah, yeah literally so yeah that's such yeah, a good yeah. he's a fedora boy <laughs> <laughs> mm. i was gonna say almost like physically prepubescent of like a child like, yeah. a, like obsessive teenager who doesn't know what to do with their emotions or hormones like and the voice hasn't dropped as much as it would normally sort yeah, of. i think that's true Oh, I have chills. <laughs> Not a good time. I, I want to watch it again. I want to watch it like with someone who hasn't seen it and just watch their face <laughs> the whole time. That's how, Don't drag anyone else feel. down. Like like after I watched like Gone Girl and Get Out, I was like, I need to watch these with people who haven't seen it. <laughs> That's so true. Right now. This fucking movie. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it very much because <laughs> I love a good scary movie. It was done extremely well. I think it was a very, like, everything in it was a very conscious effort. There was no, like, throwaway of, like, oh, yeah, we chose these fish because fucking whatever, they're fish. <laughs> like, I think everything was very intentional. Even her room is very cluttered and full of stuff. She has, like, a PlayStation under her TV in her room, and, like, it's full of things that aren't plot relevant, but it's very, it fills out the world. And I yeah. think, I think everything about this is a very well done movie. It's a very good movie. I do not ever want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is normally the uh, point of the show where we would say, would you continue watching this series? But since this is a movie, uh, we can't really do that. So we're well. just going to uh, say that this was uh, good, gratuitous, and uh, uh, too much of it. But um, yeah, it, it, it was very interesting, very deliberate, and... Oh, just uh, Rumi standing in front of that truck is going to be with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, um, it's not a series, but if you would want a series from the same creator, he's got, like I mentioned before, Paranoia Agent, which is, oh boy, it's a lot of these same themes and a lot of these same feelings, for better or for worse. Anime Twilight Zone. I'm going to uh, blacklist it on everything I can <laughs> online. <laughs> Yeah, for a, for a first for, foray into anime, I think this was an extreme choice. Um, but <laughs> Allie and I were saying this. I was like, I don't know if it was good or bad, but it will definitely stick with me. Yeah. Like like you were saying, Pat, like the, some of the images and like, you know, the themes and the stuff that we've talked about here today that like really stuck with us. Like, I'm definitely going to be thinking about it for a long time. Whether or not I liked it or not, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I feel definitely torn because... This is the, it has the trappings of everything that I would really like. You know, like I said, I really like Aronofsky movies. I like subversion of a protagonist's mental state. Like, I like when 
you know, the conflict is happening internally in any narrative. I think that that's really interesting, and I, I really love when films or novels or what have you um, play with that. But for me, so much of the blatant misogyny, rape, like, just so much of the things yeah. that I found to be, like, oh, geez, which clearly are because it's from the 90s. Like, so many of this, I, I mean, mm -hmm. and also, as you were saying, unfortunately, it's handled even more gently <laughs> than a lot of other stuff is, yeah. Yeah. which that's a huge bummer for me. But, you know, I think for me, it's like, well, I don't want to watch that again, but I want more of that world, but I want that world's now. Like, I would rather them redo it all and just take out the things that I didn't that. like. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. You know, if they did this now, like with social media being Yeah, I would love to see them do it now with a little more wokeness yeah. and a little more you know, of that social media currency. I think that would be just slamming. Yeah. Um, but I, because I liked so much of how it was set mm -hmm. up. Yeah, idols are even bigger now since uh, because of social media, there's international reach yeah. where you can have American fans uh, sending you creepy packages. <laughs> that will explode on your hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why my favorite idol is Ladybeard. He's like a six foot five Australian wrestler who's in a Lolita <laughs> outfit and sings with two uh, Japanese girl in a uh, J-pop band. I'm into it. Perfect. He, Beautiful. He does like the I'm, heavy I'm metal sure he scream. protects them. Oh, he's a like he's a monster for regular guys, let alone like little Japanese girls. The only so person we will proudly stand. <laughs> <laughs> the one true hero. The only pure person in all of media. All right. Well, thank well, that you. Was a journey. Uh, Thank you for going on this uh, fascinating bummer. Uh, of no, our pleasure, or was it? Yeah. <laughs> which is the? Is it really a pleasure? Or was it a pain? Which one's real and which one's fantasy? Oh no! Where are we? Oh. That's this podcast. Uh. But yeah, uh, thank you, Allie and Sam, for joining us. Uh, would you like to? Uh, direct people to where they can find you online. Absolutely. Let's do it. Woo! So we're, uh, we run I'm Horrified podcast, available every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, as of recently, um, SoundCloud. <laughs> Thank you. It was a lot of work. <laughs> it was so much fucking work. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, anywhere you get your pods, um, we'll be there. We are online at I'm horrified podcast.com. Our Twitter is at I'm horrified pod. And if you want to drop us a topic of something you are horrified of, you can email us at I'm horrified podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, tune in. We will, we should have talked about this. I know for people, for people who um, like this podcast, you might be interested in the episode where I talk about a K-pop group. Yep. You might be interested Ooh. in um, the episode where we talk about we talk about a lot of murderers in, yep. in various ways. Uh. Take a look through our back catalog. Yeah. See what intrigues you. <laughs> Something a little bit similar is the one on the North Korean cheerleaders. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's oh, a good no. one. Thank you for having us. This was so fun and awful like we prefer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I knew the way to appeal to you was to horrify yes, you. And I always. figured that this would be a great always. choice. Uh, yeah, you can find us. Uh, we are uh, Are We There Yet on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are now available on Spotify. Yeah. So you can find us <laughs> on Spotify. We are? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is news. Okay. I, it, it's new as of like yesterday. I saw we were up. I didn't know. <laughs> 
So yeah, it's we're so exciting. We're up on Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, a- anywhere you uh, need to find us or get your podcast. Need to? <laughs> no one needs this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Patrick Dugan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Queen Period Weeaboo, and Twitter is Queen underscore Weeaboo. I'm on Twitter at ABTS Brendan. It's not great. But instead, I will also plug uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf was the guy who made the video that I was constantly referencing throughout this episode. And real quick, um, Scrutchy Movies, S-T-R-U-C-C-I Movies. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but they have uh, a series of videos about parasocial relationships. And it's very much about this idea of like an avatar people obsess with this cultivated persona of an online personality that people get very enamored and obsessive with and can't separate the idea of like i'm their friend but we've never met it's i feel like it's very in line with like the skin crawling feels of this movie so if you want more of that awful awful feeling (laughs) check out scrunchy movies i will definitely steal that as a topic for our podcast because i didn't know that there was a word (laughs) for it but now that i do Mm -hmm. yeah and that's when you can plug us absolutely (laughs) that's our duty all right and thank you all for joining us and we hope you will join us next time as we learn to live with anime bye bye